So I'm Ksenia. I'm a Ukrainian currently living in Munich. And actually, it's part of the journey that brought me here is thanks to EYP. But to start, I started with EYP in 2010. My my story with has been quite short, but very bright and fun. I mostly focused on organizing things because I really like create new things and still love that. I would say that Agoround Security Cube has been a pinnacle for me as experience at EYP. And after that, I gratefully retired. And now I'm focusing on creating new things and developing new things in EIT Health. And I work with innovation projects and we support innovators in the area of healthcare all over Europe. I'm kind of going into a segue into a different direction, but I just want to mention that I have been part of EYP mentoring program Mm -hmm. and I had my mentee this last year. And it's been also a great experience to contribute to a development of a young person uh, and share, you know, some of some of my experiences, and we actually grew together. So through this experience with mentoring, this person helped me to actually make one of my biggest dreams come true. And that dream was going on the top of Kazbek, which is a five thousand mountain in uh, meter mountain in Georgia. And that was partially through the experience of mentoring because we just sat one day and, and wrote our goals for the next 90 days. And I realized that why would I put this as a yearly goal to get on the top of Kazbek if I can do it in 90 days? So that's what I did. <laughs> wow. I okay, that's pretty incredible. Nice. That sounds yeah. really cool. Yeah, the mentorship programs are amazing. I also participated in the Nordic one. And I think if any EYP alumni are listening to this, that you should something you should definitely seek out. Nice. Okay. <laughs> should I do one or just <laughs> Yep, so so that so that's what you gotta follow. <laughs> um Okay, an introduction. <laughs> So my name is Tetiana, or Teti for short. Actually, the short name Teti was invented by an EYP <laughs> as well, because <laughs> was uh, it was during one of my first EYP events. So um, I guess for me, uh, EYP was always a way of putting myself out there, because I think back in my early 20s when I started, I didn't actually know much about what I want to do and what kind of options are there in EYP and in life. (laughs) So for me, I guess EYP was this perfect platform where I could actually discover what I like um, doing, which for some time was sort of working with people as, uh, you know, chair, organizer, then VP, president. So I kind of explored more of that chairing sort of road and uh, later on I did quite a lot of trainings which I think somehow was also related to what I'm doing now because I'm now work I now work as a counseling psychologist so I've been studying that for like past seven years uh, sometimes even with parallel <laughs> to my uh, UAP experiences uh, and yeah when I look back now at uh, what was an EYP for me? Uh, obviously, I wasn't thinking in that terms back then, but now I think I think that most of it was that I actually could 
do things that were challenging for me. Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, going abroad, participating in, you know, Euro concerts, let's say, because I was interested in that. I think I was <laughs> at the Euro concert almost at every session that I went to, <laughs> um, which was a lot challenging for me. But I like to sing. And actually, one of the things I work with now is human voices. So I kind of teach people to sing, but in a psychological way. It's part of my job now. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of who I am now also came from UAP, but just from uh, less obvious parts mm. of it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> when Teti and me, when we were in Ivano Frankivsk at that time, um, Ksenia, sorry, do, do, do I pronounce it Ksenia? Ksenia? Ksenia. Ksenia. It's a bit like there country Kenya, but you add ah, us there. Ksenia. Nice, nice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess, I, I guess, yeah. After a while, you kind of had to find a way to easily explain to people that, like the penny would just drop and through trial and error. Yeah, I found my my approach to explaining my thing. <laughs> nice. So while Teti and I were in Ivano-Frankivsk in like early 2013. Were you already like organizing the IS for Kiev in 2014 or did that happen like a little bit later? You know, I actually have a suspicion that maybe I've been at this Ivana Frankiv session as well <laughs> because oh, really? I was an organizer at the Ivana Frankiv, I think it was in 2013, national session. I was an organizer there. Had organized by Yegor and Natalia. Yeah. yeah, I was an organizer there. I was responsible <laughs> for printing resolutions, for God's sake. <laughs> so I had Big the most important um, the most important job. Yes. Um, I, my first session, I have a very a strange and non-typical EYP history. So I, I, I've been a delegate only once in 2010. In Kharkiv, and and after that, I took a long break. I somehow thought that maybe EYP is not for me. I was quite a quiet person, and I also didn't know how to debate. So I didn't know how to go and speak out and argue your your ideas or like some issue, run some issues. And and then I came back, and I was for some time uh, working on kind of side projects of EYP. There was this uh, NGO G20 summit for kind of youth nonprofits uh, profits in Ukraine. So I was organizing it for a year. I was there. Yes, yes, yes. I remember. I think it was like the second one that I organized you. Yes, you were a, kind of like a facilitator, right? Yeah, yeah. And then I coordinated volunteers during Euro. So EYP was kind of tasked in one of the locations to coordinate volunteers. So I was also doing that. And then somehow slowly I was dragged into like a regular EYP life. And I was a chairperson and a journalist on a couple of events. I wasn't also like super, I, I've never been on a session, a session outside of Ukraine. And I wasn't initially in the organizing team of the international session in Kiev. So it was Anya Suprunienko and Roxolana Pitlasta who were head organizers there. But then early 2014, when the war started and the international session was canceled. 
And instead of international session, uh, we were, as EYP Ukraine, were allowed to organize an international forum. But the rule was or kind of the requirement that it's only 19, 18 plus. So the grown-ups, no kids coming or, or minors coming to the event. And also with the possibility to target more external audiences and also experiment with the different formats. And I think at that moment, uh, Anya was kind of left as, as one head organizer and there were also changes in the team. So some people were, of course, very motivated by international session, but then organizing international forum, maybe it's not what they were planning and what, what they wanted. So Anya reached out to me and suggested, hey, do you want to be a co-head organizer with me? And I, because I think she also, she, she saw some of the things that I did kind of on the side with uh, EYP and yeah, I think she thought that it would be fun to, to do it together. And I said, yes. And that's how it started. And we kind of revamped the team a bit. And yeah, we started, I think, closer to summer uh, 2014. So we didn't have a very long period for or like we're very, very, a, a lot of time for organizing this uh, international forum. But it was quite, quite fun. Oh. Yeah, because I, I, I always heard like the, the story about how there was meant to be an IS in Kiev, and then when the war broke out, when the revolution happened, then EYP International's like, yeah, I'm not really sure we can we can guarantee that session. But then I remember kind of, yeah, always hearing stuff about like that resilience of EYP Ukraine being like, no, we're still going to hold it. We have venues, we have money, we're doing this. Like, it, even if you don't want to kind of like call it an IS this is happening. Um, so it's cool to kind of like hear a, a little bit more background about that. And wh yeah. when EYP, when EYP, like uh, when the IO and stuff were like making that decision, were you guys kind of involved in that decision when they said, actually, this isn't going to be an IS or how did that go down? Uh, there, I, I wasn't still involved, so I cannot tell the story. Maybe Tanya, you remember, but I, I just know that Anya was really passionate and I think she has I mean so much she used to get so much credit for actually it happening also back then Igor Blasinka was the president yeah I, I think it was just kind of a, the decision was that IS is not happening and then the alternative I think uh, alternative plan what can still happen and and basically the topic of security was a suggestion from EYP Ukraine right so Anya, Igor, the board, they just didn't want to give up. And that was kind of the, the solution or, or the compromise that they found. And I'm super happy that they did. Yeah, I'm also not sure like whose idea was this decision, but I definitely think it was kind of mutual effort to actually make something happen because the main thing was that IS was like was in the process of preparation already for like more than a year and a lot of partners venues actually money were fundraised and sort of they couldn't allow all those resources to go to waste so we had to make up something to to use <laughs> to use all of this and then how, how was the experience there like during the ask forum well, first of all, I remember that I was, uh, because I was part of it as 
a chair, but uh, again, in Ask, everything was named differently. So we okay. didn't have chairs. I think we had moderators, if I remember exactly. correctly. And then we didn't have resolutions. Instead of resolutions, what was the document named? Reports, reports I think. Reports, yeah. Final reports. So I remember that we were, uh, as a moderators team, we were involved in actually thinking of the format of the report. And this was before the um, the forum actually started. So like part of sort of chairs training a month or so before the event. And the idea was that, so if in AYP we have this sort of story that we are the European Parliament. So in Ask Forum, we don't have that. We are not the European Parliament. We're just sort of young people who gathered to think about issues, but we do not pretend to represent anybody. And therefore, we cannot produce any document on behalf of that body. <laughs> and we don't, but on the other hand, we don't have to mimic the format. And with, uh, um, with that, we thought of, you know, doing something that would uh, solve the problems that we have with resolutions and with having to copy the format of a, a European Parliament resolution. And um, uh, basically, uh, the the genius idea was not to pretend to be anybody, but just we as a group of people who researched an issue deeply have certain recommendations based on our findings. Uh, and, you know, so the report also had several parts, like the part where we reason our uh, recommendations based on research and uh, our discussion that we have. And then we have the recommendations, but they were... Um, laid down more in, you know, uh, in a nicely uh, prepared text, but they don't have to be like bullet points, like in resolution. And we can add links, we can add, uh, or like we could add uh, links, we could add um, references to other documents, sort of, if you want to research this, you can go to this website, or you can read that paper, uh, sort of, it actually kind of makes sense as an uh, as a document or like you can actually use this somewhere in your research in your school mm -hmm. and it actually means something so i remember that we were as moderators in creating this format beforehand and it was really fun because i mean for me this was kind of a solution to this uh always this very popular question because we in ukraine as not part of the european union mm. people always ask like what is the point of sort of doing things on behalf of the European, European Parliament? You are not in any way related to it. What is the purpose? And here we kind of solved it with, we are the group of people, me, 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 you, 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 and you. We research this and we recommend this and you can actually use it. So that was, that was That's something. really cool. Yeah, that was really cool. Kind of, yeah. Is that like the foundations behind the think tank sessions that EY, that EYP would then later hold? Because like in Berlin, I, I think there's been like three or four different think tank sessions where they kind of create these, it's like very academic sessions where it's not really an EYP session, but it's more just focused on the building of these resolutions, but they're not really resolutions, is to build some kind of report there are moderators there and they kind of like very much change up the format, change up the language. And it's all about kind of that output of what they're producing. 
um, and everyone does like a whole bunch of research beforehand, and it's very like academic orientated. But like from what I've heard of that, like so many things that you just described, sounds like that could have been a little bit of the base of it. I mean, I know that many participants who were sort of just like participants in the committees, again, not committees, but working groups, <laughs> were from uh, UAP, like older UAP members because of the 18 plus rule. So maybe this is how it got caught up, but I'm not sure. Like I haven't, I don't, I don't know the direct reference, but yeah, could be, could be. That's really cool. How, how did the participants find the format? Do you remember? Well, <laughs> um, the thing is, so let's say in my working group, I think I had several, only like only a few people who were UA peers and many people who were just interested in, you know, youth work. Um, and I still remember, so I have uh, one guy who was from Ukraine in my uh, group and he uh, haven't been a, at UAP session before. Uh, but he was somehow always around UAP, kind of almost participating. <laughs> um, and uh, after Ask Forum, I think he was the best, like, enthusiast. <laughs> um, and actually, we uh, still are in touch with him up to this day. And I think this was his, like, only event he actually participated in in UAP Ukraine but still he was always whenever I would meet him he was always talk about it with uh, you know such affection with uh, so much enthusiasm yeah uh, I think that people who were more uh, experienced UAPers were a little bit confused uh, with all the changes that kind of look the same but aren't really the same um, yeah but I think definitely for those who were new it was a really cool experience because we took a lot of already working mechanisms from an UAP session so we kind of know the flow we know how things are supposed to go and then we just tweak them and i think we tweak them even from some point of view like in a better way because yeah because we have more freedom Maybe just a couple of additions. So I pulled up some of the statistics that I have, and 49% of participants came from non-EYP world. We had moder one moderator that have never been at EYP session. Uh, we had uh, also organizers that have never been to EYP session and never organized an EYP session. We have had uh, yeah, many participants that uh, have never been in EYP. So... I think it's been a very interesting experiment. And of course, everyone was 18 plus. So we had also more mature people. We had an amazing uh, president, Martin Hoffman. We were super happy to, to have him. And I think he really uh, built a very strong team of moderators and really empowered them to be contributing to the content. And the focus on the content was very strong. So we selected a topic uh, being security. And we had different dimensions of security. For example, uh, Tanya, you were, as far as I remember, in charge of this health dimension of security. And we made a partnership yeah. with United Nations Development Program. And they actually reached out to us and suggested to have a topic on AIDS, HIV. So this was the topic of Tanya's working group. And we had topics on financial security, environmental, military security, governance, energy, cybersecurity, uh, trade, and 
agronomy. So very interesting topics, I think quite relevant in, in the current world. And we also have several formats that maybe are not that typical for EYP. So we had Barcamp, that was a format where uh, participants themselves were able to present. And we had several uh, sessions in parallel. And then you can walk in, walk out of those sessions. And then, I don't know, let's say half an hour, everyone presents. No, it was... A f- 45 minutes per presentation, and then everyone switches. So you, for example, do several rounds of the same presentation, but you have many people walking in and out. And it it was great because participants could come and also share some of their research or findings or what they found interesting in the area of security. We also had a very touching session of HIV-positive teenagers coming and sharing their story it was for me it was really really impactful it really touched me and I I found them very very brave we then invited them for the Euro concert and hang out with them and it was a lot of fun and we, we also had a world cafe where we had also tables with experts where participants could also switch between the tables and make rotations and discuss uh, topics and, and kind of take notes on the on those kind of paper cloth on, on the tables, uh, kind of this live co-creational process. We also suggested a format that was quite straightforward. I think it was, I don't remember, maybe it was even Anya who suggested it or someone came up with the idea and we implemented it and it was so, so popular. It was morning lectures. So we invited different experts uh, in the morning before the working group started to share some ideas or share some of their experience. I think we had one on energy security, another one on information security. And we also opened these morning lectures to externals. So we had actually organized the registration process for externals. We hold them in the conference room in the hotel where particip- where we had participants living. And it was super, super popular. And through that, we also increased a bit um, visibility of EYP Ukraine to external people as well. Um, so I would say that uh, with, with these different formats, we really try to make it a learning experience for participants and really focus on this kind of more academic and content. Uh, but for me personally, Ask was the most magical thing. I had the dream team. We had a team from four different countries working on on uh, organizing it. And I had the best partner in crime. Anya is amazing. And uh, I really remember this as one of my best experiences of like teamwork experiences in my kind of personal and professional life. I mean, uh, well, it's true that it was really a special event from like all points of view, because um, I want to uh, later on to tell more about the uh, HIV positive kids, but also the venues were great. I mean, we had one of our venues is the Olympic Stadium, which is like, was built for Euro 2012. It's like now one of the biggest in Ukraine and like the fanciest, like all popular IT conferences now take place there. And we were like, whoa, UAP event in such a big place, you know, not 
some school <laughs> somewhere. But I also remember one of the things that uh, actually amazed me and showed me how much, like how incredibly much the organizing team was involved. Because at the beginning, I think, was it only officials or I think it was everyone actually who on the first day received a handwritten note welcoming to the event, like handwritten note, handwritten, motherfucking handwritten note for everyone. How, how do you even do that? Like, I think it was more than 100 participants. Yeah, I think it was 125, but... Uh... So, so you're saying that they printed it, right? <laughs> 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 Uh, I think it's the the full team the way we organized the team is that everyone was a little top manager or leader in their own area so everyone had an event or an area where they were the main responsible person and then there were several other events projects areas where they were contributing so this way we really tried to empower everyone to develop and be a leader and be responsibility and it worked uh, pretty well we had uh, i mean everyone was very engaged and uh, very really contributing to the best and you know i think it was second or I, i don't remember which day of the forum that was and i was as a head organizer, I just didn't have any job to do because everything was just running so smoothly. And I remember that I was just like walking around. I went into the bathroom and I saw that there is the, the toilet paper. We are running out of the toilet paper. And I went and I took the toilet paper and I thought, okay, that's the only thing that I can do now because everything else just runs so smoothly and everyone knows what to do. But yeah, I'm not needed anymore. So... But hearing that, this it's like becoming a pattern now. Like all these events that have really had an impact, the organizing team, they, they tend to organize themselves around giving ownership of the specific project to specific organizers and how that impacts the entire session spirit. And it, it, just, it just keeps on coming up in the podcast. <laughs> like Every time I hear about this like really cool events, it's likely to have this system. It's... I wonder why we don't use that more. That's so true. Yes, because as like one or two people cannot organize such a huge event for so many people, right? So you need to have everyone engaged and doing their best, you know, and and trusting them that they will do their best. Of course, you first need to put more efforts into making sure that they know what to do and they have the direction we with, together with Anya, we spoke with each of the team members before we launched the team officially, because before we had a team meeting, we spoke with, with each of them individually and we asked them questions about what motivates them, why, why they want to participate. And we really then tried to build on those motivations to make sure that people get what they want from this experience mm. and they get the the knowledge or the yeah the, the skills the experience the fun that they that kind of that their expectations are met that's amazing that is and, and part of me is kind of thinking maybe it's it's great that it wasn't an IS because ISs are always an organizational disaster. Like, like time after time, like and on our shows, we, we keep shitting on like ISs all the time, <laughs> especially I, I love to, because like they are so difficult to 
organize and things will always go horribly horribly wrong and things always go horribly wrong and like on almost every eyes i can think of whenever i'm talking to people in that session it's like okay how did you manage it yeah you know we managed it was really difficult we had this challenge and this challenge and this kind of went up and this went up and so many times i don't know even yeah i'm not that name dropping about talking to like so many people who've let's say presided in is the main kind of thing i tend to hear is that they almost had to become a ho by the end of the event or something like this that that always kind of happens and here we have the story <laughs> where in every single adversity not only do you manage to like put on a session that isn't like that but then also innovate beyond anything i guess what we've ever spoken about on the show so far <laughs> so amazing yeah and i mean i think i think it also plays a role that by that time we we were already a bit of kind of we were not teens or students right so we had some of the also professional experience and mm. i i think we tried to professionalize this as well or organizational process and overall the the approach uh, to this yeah thank you <laughs> but <laughs> uh it still had a lot of very, you know, youthful fun that is more typical to an AWP session. I remember for me personally, so uh, when we had the the part, sort of the resolution typing part, but the, the document part, <laughs> typing part. So we had two venues. So we had one hotel when, uh, where everyone was living. And then right across the bushes <laughs> there is another hotel and uh, the organizers managed uh, to arrange a room that we could use for typing there uh, so it was more, more suitable and it was a bit chilly already and i remember that for me uh, the resolution typing at an like at an ordinary eyp session is something that you know you're going to be tired after uh, so you try to make yourself as comfortable as you can uh, you know, have water, have snacks, I don't know, maybe energy drinks if you need them and sort of uh, wear something comfortable. And I remember that <laughs> I uh, had this very cozy pajama, like that I bought just recently before Ask, like it was a warm, you know, winter kind of pajama <laughs> with Winnie the Pooh <laughs> in, a, in a heart <laughs> on the front. And I remember that I decided that it's not that cold outside. So I will just walk quickly, you know, across the bushes to the name, to the other hotel, just wearing like a light jacket and this pajama already <laughs> with a backpack with a laptop. And uh, so to say, the other hotel was a bit fancier than the one that we were living in. And <laughs> I remember coming from the bushes to the entrance of the other hotel. And there was this lady, you know, very fancy one in a coat, like a furry coat with a cigarette smoking outside. And then me in the pajamas walking out of the bushes, but feeling like I belong there so much, like I own the place. I remember feeling so great about it. Like me wearing the pajama was somehow, you know, superior over everyone else who pretended to be fancy around there. Felt so great. <laughs> Amazing. I feel like a part of EYP history can be summed up by saying, yeah, people 
people who look semi-homeless in fancy venues. That is literally the way we <laughs> we constantly are. Or sometimes if a, if a session gets a four star four star hotel, I mean people treat it like a hostel. <laughs> I mean it, oh, yeah. it doesn't matter what what the place is or how fancy it is. At the end of the day, twenty YP every venue's a hostel. <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. <laughs> I mean. I would be really sad if we really changed our behavior based on how many stars our hotel has. It's like the entire evening part of the session just goes down the drain because we happen to be in a fancy venue. Like, no, that's that's not us. No. <laughs> this is what I think is actually great about like UAP events is that it's more about the how you feel part than... Mm sort of how many stars does the hotel have or anything like that. I mean, it can, can add up to the experience, but it's not the main dish. Mm. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I fully agree. I think, I think one of the main, one of the also important tasks of the organizing team and all of the officials team is, is to also have this atmosphere to, uh, to, to build up, to the venue or to compensate for for the venue which we also know it should be can be needed sometimes <laughs> but uh, yeah i remember so when xenia was talking about her UAP experience i think of myself as the person who had like perfect UAP experience in terms of i was a delegate three times one at the regional session, the national session, and then IS. <laughs> that was the only three times I was a delegate. And then um, I think right after my first session as a delegate, I started head organizing an event. Uh, it was just a regional session in Kiev, but kind of, you know, with, I think we had 16 countries participating in the end. So pretty international one <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, and in our case we had a very fun case of compensating which sounds unbelievable but actually was true we had like very small budget and many partners that were supposed to give us actually like funding like money were refusing it already when the organizing process was ongoing and we kind of had to make sacrifices on the go uh, so um and let's say with logistics, we had this hotel, like the cheapest we could find, that had to, like, in order to uh, make a transfer from the hotel to the venue. And the venue was my university where I uh, studied. We had to take a tram and then have like 15 minute walk, which was not ideal for people like to walk that much. And um, when we were planning a Euro concert uh, evening, we were thinking, what should we do like after your concert? Because it ends kind of, I don't know, 7, 8 p.m. Okay, so kind of early and it takes place in the university. And then we sort of want to do something in the evening. But then we need to organize, let's say if it's, uh, we were thinking about maybe um, disco, but then you have to have transfer to the disco, which costs money. Then we have to, you know, pay for everyone at the disco, at least the entrance fee. And then we have to have a transfer back to the hotel, uh, which was sort of expensive. And then <laughs> 
what we came up is we actually rented limos. Uh, yeah, a limo for each committee. So we had eight limos or nine, I don't think. Maybe we had one for the organizing team as well. <laughs> and it was actually cheaper to rent uh, eight or nine limos for, I think, an hour or an hour and a half. Uh, that would sort of ride around the city and then drop out, drop out people at the hotel. <laughs> Then to have one transfer, then have disco and another transfer. So it was actually cheaper. (laughs) Yeah, but then I remember that it was a surprise. And obviously, like, after your concert, people walk out uh, of the university and they're waiting for the transfer. And the university was and is quite fancy. So there are usually a lot of, you know, expensive cars parked just around there. And they walk out and then they see this line of limos and they at first like they see them but they think that this is something not in any way related to the session uh yeah and uh, when people got it it was like whoa what (laughs) but yeah for me the most fun part is that this was actually a sacrifice in terms of money like a compromise because it was actually cheaper than two transfers and two scope so this is the limo <laughs> session i had heard about the limo session in ukraine i had heard about this legend some kind of thing where <laughs> they decided as an outing to hire a whole bunch of limos and take people around it was that one <laughs> and you did it to save yeah. money <laughs> Yes. Imagine like a Zurich IS or something like this (laughs) doing limos to save money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but but it's true. It's true. And I'm I'm not sure if you both know, but so both, yeah, myself and Joel, we both actually abandoned RNCs to then join EYP Ukraine. Um, the way I did it was kind of weird because um, I had been binging a bunch of sessions in, in in Ukraine from like 2013, 2015. I think there was like four different sessions, uh, maybe five like during that time just kept coming back. And then 2016, I think I did another three during the summer or something. So it was like a lot, a lot of that time. And in 2016, I was in, I was in Yerevan in Armenia during Decode. And um, I, yeah, how I then decided to join was a member of UIP Ukraine started to, uh, it was Dana. Dana started to convince me and say, come on, you're always in Ukraine anyway. So you may as well just, just like pay membership and kind of join us. And I was like, how much does it cost? And like she said, the amount I said, um, okay, so I'm a Brit from EYP France. We're here in Armenia and I'm afraid all I have on me is Turkish lira because I had just come from Turkey. Can I pay you in that? <laughs> so then <laughs> I paid her in Turkish lira for my membership fees and then I became a part of EYP Ukraine and then just continued to binge a bunch of more sessions over there. And then when I didn't go to sessions, then I would just kind of like come over. Like what one, one day I, I flew over with, with my friend Ollie. Um, down in Lviv, met up with Mariam and some others and kind of partied down there. And then we took the lovely 12 hour train to go over to Kiev to celebrate Teti's birthday. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's true. And then you dragged us out Uh, to karaoke. We we went to karaoke and I think I still have a picture that we took somehow instead of actually singing, we pretended to sing or pretended to open my mouth for the picture. But yeah, that's true. That's true. I totally forgot about it. <laughs> and that was with uh, Ola Schwetz as well. 
yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh and, and then I, I kind of passed out and you guys stole my phone and then just kept like pranking, doing pranks and stuff. And then I woke up the next day to regret it. <laughs> Never leave your phone unattended. No, no. Because no. like my best friend was there, and he knows the password for my phone, so like I was, I was kind of screwed, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is what happens with my boyfriend all the time. So he knows the password for my phone as well, and sometimes I end up having my weird faces as screensavers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my god, I remember. I, I used to have that habit for I don't know how many years in UIP that every session I go to, I would. I feel like there was a there was a moment back then where people wouldn't lock their phones. Locking your phone wasn't really a thing back then. I've, I, d- I don't know somehow security, that yeah, yeah <laughs> like especially like 2013, 2014, 2015, that that kind of era. Locking your phones wasn't really a thing. So I would go in sessions as soon as somebody would leave their phone out, I'd take it, take a selfie, and set my selfie as their the screen and. <laughs> yeah, and I think we did that a lot in Ivano as well. I remember actually <laughs> that you did that to my iPad. <laughs> and then I decided not to change it. And I think I had your face as a screensaver for like half a year. <laughs> <laughs> and I also remember sometime after that, we had a video call. Uh, with you, Nathan, and then you know I have you as a screensaver. Then I have your face <laughs> at the video call, <laughs> and I make a screenshot of two of you on the same screen. <laughs> it was fun. Oh, beautiful, all them pranks, and especially because in UIP, right? We we all have the computers, and then you pass your computer to anyone all the time because computers get passed around. So not not everyone brings their computer, and people, especially media team. Back back in the day, media team used to just always steal the session's computers. It doesn't matter what you're working in. And then for type reso typing, then all the computers just go to the chairs team. And I remember we used to always do this thing where you would change the person's birthday on Facebook <laughs> to someone in the session, preferably the last day of the session. And then and then everyone in the session would start celebrating for that person's birthday and they have no idea why. <laughs> Uh, okay, I, I only caught the celebrating part of that trend because at few sessions that I went to, we just, no one actually bothered to change your Facebook uh, birth date. You just passed the rumor that, you know, this guy has his birthday today or tomorrow and everyone starts greeting him. No one even, you know, fact checking wasn't a thing like that either. <laughs> <laughs> So, Joe, why did you abandon <laughs> EYP Finland and join the forces with EYP Ukraine? Oh, yeah, I have seen that you're on EYP Ukraine as well. How <laughs> <I'm> come? <laughs> well, I think why I abandoned EYP Finland is one story and why I joined EYP Ukraine is another. And I think we'll prioritize the latter one here. <laughs> I think... Around the time that the need or want to leave EYP Finland was prevalent in my history, EYP Ukraine was the kind of first place where I really felt at home, like where I had a session that really took me for who I am and you know accepted me. 
even despite all my <laughs> blaring need for development in certain areas. And yeah, I don't know. Ever since it, like it n- just never occurred to me that I would change after that since Ukraine was always the place where if you'd have a layover, Ukraine would have the most people that will be excited to have you over and just go go out for dinner somewhere. And it was a it's been very fun trying to I guess but well before the pandemic it was very fun to try and find board members of EYP Ukraine in my sessions so I could pay my membership fee in cash. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a <laughs> never-ending treasure hunt of like at least once a year I need to find a board member of VYP Ukraine somewhere so that I don't need to pay the transaction fees of my bank that are bigger than the membership fee itself. <laughs> <laughs> but now, because I couldn't do that with the pandemic, I convinced the board of VYP Ukraine to make a special type of membership that I could pay my membership fee for the next five years in one go. Nice. Ooh, you secured their place. Wow, so when does it expire? I guess that was last year, so I see you in 2026, EYP Ukraine. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. That's amazing. Uh, For me, it also really... I, I kind of resonates what you say about feeling at home. I think at some point I also at Forest in 2010, I think I didn't feel that, but at some point I really start, started feeling at home Yeah, uh, with uh, EYP. And I think that point for me was interrail. So we had this format where we would just get on a train and travel between the different towns and have small sessions there, like two-day sessions. Mm. And uh, you have like a, how many, three sessions in a week. And it was a super fun experience. And usually there were teams that would go, I don't know, to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west. And I think I was in the north team uh, where we went, or maybe kind of north, south, east, northeast a team and uh, it was just great to go and introduce EYP to the kids that at school that have never heard about that or even for them to practice English and to meet someone who's not Ukrainian I think it was a great experience and that forum I somehow was so small and and kind of very local or or we brought uh, EYP to to the places where maybe otherwise it would never come and I, I really really love that form I'm so gutted I never got to do an interrail an interrail in Ukraine but like every, every year I would be kind of like looking out for the dates and stuff and every year it just always clashed with something else but I, I really 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 love that format in general on the one hand yes because that inclusivity is incredible you actually get to go out to places in which it's normally more difficult to hold those kind of sessions but then also um if you hold a session for two days, you're not really going to bring more experienced DYPers to come to that session. Um, or you're not really going to bring, let's say, internationals to come to that session either. Whereas when you hold three 
two day sessions back to back across, it suddenly becomes like a six, seven day session. And then like for this, then experienced VIPs or internationals love to come to those kind of things. And then you actually get to kind of create something really great um, and put it on. And those participants manage to really get that full experience. So I really, really love that format. Yes, we had, I mean, it also depends, like we had sessions where no one showed up and we would have had to look for, for participants, you know, <laughs> so we had different experiences, but it was also a part of, of overall interrail experience, yeah. right? That you find those opportunities to still, uh, you're here, you can still deliver value uh, to the kids and um, have some fun and even if it doesn't go according to the plan you just swing it and do something I'm sorry <laughs> at least something <laughs> I'm sorry to say but it's not if it go if it doesn't go according to the plan it's when it doesn't go according to the plan in this case <laughs> but I think that these like smaller events in this sense are like the best uh, stress management or crisis management training that you can have. Because, uh, again, I, I wasn't part of the interrail, but I have been to a couple of those, you know, one-day session, two-day sessions. So either, uh, so once we actually had the one-day session when you would have, you know, two hours of team building, three hours of committee work, and then two hours of GA <laughs> during one day. And... Um, at one of those sessions, which was actually my technically first sharing experience at some point, it was held in a school. And at some point during committee work, which is enough that it is three hours long, <laughs> the whole committee work. But then uh, I think an hour after it started, we have a teacher who's coming in and saying, okay, so half of uh, the group has to practice for a school ball. So we are taking them for dance practice. And I'm left <laughs> with a committee with two people <laughs> waiting for the other half to come back from dance practice. Yeah, and this is your first sharing experience and you uh, don't have much time to actually, you know, think of what to do. You don't know what's supposed to happen, like what's the normal process and you already have this going on. So after that, you know, whatever happens at the bigger session, you have so much time to fix it. You have so much time to fix it. But yeah, but with, with that dance practice and with the two hours of GA in the end, we still managed to write resolutions. I think it was me mostly writing it for my community, but still, <laughs> I tried my best to include their thoughts in there, as many as we actually had. Yeah, uh, there's, there's just, those kind of situations make you make your brain do such fun scenarios afterwards. It's just like dance practice okay let's make this a team building thing let's take the entire committee to dance practice and i heard uh, i forget where the session was probably somewhere was like cyprus ish and where they had they shared the team building venue with a mariachi band i was like please tell me you included the mariachi band in the team building i would love to do that I wish I was there, kind of. Sounds amazing. <laughs> in one of my trips in Ukraine, I think it's, like, it's 2016, and it was in the Nipro session, so Nipro Nationals of 2016. And at the very beginning of that year, or like somewhere in 2015, when they, when I received the call to kind of say, hey, would you be interested in 
presiding you know ukrainian national sessions now that you're a member that'd be really cool you know uh i was like oh yeah that actually sounds fr- uh, pretty cool that's uh let's let's do this and i said but i want a bit more details what's the session going to be that like, it's going to be a four-day session i said can it be five but like what do you mean like well i know with the current budget and stuff because i'll be talking to a, a lot of people there and i said we do currently have this part of the budget and maybe if we stretched out to five day session uh we could and i started to go for a bit of a plan they're like yeah we can do that you know what so we'll have one day yeah cgo team building and training and then we do five day session i said about that can we make it a two day <laughs> CGO kind of thing? And then we move into like the five days. Like, how, how can we make that happen? I was like, well, if we get everyone two days beforehand just to meet up in Kyiv and then we take the train down, you know, do the thing that I didn't do in Ivano Frankivsk. Uh, we get everyone to like meet there. We then go down and then we do a bit of kind of team building training and stuff like that on the train. And then when we get to the venue, we carry on a little bit more. And then the following day, we have a whole day for CGO. And then after that, we start our five days for the session. And they're like, yeah, you know what? We can make that work. And that's what was amazing is on a phone call, you can discuss these things. And they're like, you know what? We're going to check in with the board, have a quick chat. They have a quick chat. It's going to go ahead. Within a few days, we completely changed the format of the session, agreed to certain things and started to innovate. And that was just so nice and easy and then just a month uh, no a few weeks after that we then had the first training camp so that was being ho'd by olia and mariam and like the three of us would just sit down and talk about okay training camp what do we want it to be like how do we want this let's let's try this let's try that and then we ended up having it in yaremche and kind of just built it to however we decided it to be and it was just amazing to kind of have that flexibility to kind of do what you want. And I feel like that's, that's what kind of really brought me to EYP Ukraine. And I kind of really relate to what Joel was saying, where it's a place where you can just really be yourself with others and everyone really accepts that. And it's such like a, a nice community to be in. Yes, I yeah. like that. I, I had a, always an impression that everyone took whatever they wanted from that experience. So mm. someone wanted to have a lot of fun or travel all around Europe. Someone wanted to have, uh, I don't know, some some of this kind of more excel in and go to international sessions and, you know, be shining there. For me, it was always interesting just to organize things, create things. So I think that's also what I strive on in my professional life. And that's been super rewarding. So I think right now, coming back to to those times, I think I learned so much about emotional intelligence, how to provide feedback, you know, how to uh, manage a team, how to moderate a meeting through that experience and it's so valuable and many of my colleagues don't have that and it's or mm-hmm. like the people that I, I I work with they didn't get that experience because you no one or like very few people actually teach that right in your professional life you're kind of supposed to know how to provide feedback or I don't know how to run a meeting but no one teaches you how to do it in a 
in a better way or kind of in a way that that would be good or beneficial for everyone. So I, I think that's such a huge imprint that EYP leaves on you. And I'm not even talking about all of the friendships and great memories and uh, useful contexts and, and so on. But yeah. I think that for the first five to seven years of my professional life, EYP still was the most exciting and interesting thing on my resume. Like, even though it wasn't paid work, but still, if you describe things that you have done, you know, organizing events or moderating events uh, and all that, it was still like one of the most coolest things that I was definitely asked about when, you know, uh, trying for, for any job. So that's definitely true. I think this is like what many educational platforms sometimes lack is that sort of in EYP you learn sort of the learning part is just a nice addition to having fun, which is sort of everyone is kind of after. Yeah. Especially like you said, Deg, when, when when you start to enter the working world, uh, in any interview, when you ask the question, um, tell me a time when this happened to you. You like, okay, which UIP session do I go to? <laughs> like, I remember my, my, one of my first like interviews I went to was with uh, with Apple for this like leadership thing, and so they're asking you a whole bunch of leadership questions. I'm like, okay, cool, UIP's got me prepared for this. And then like uh, one of them was, uh, tell me about a time where you had a difficult conflict that you had to overcome as a leader. I was like, hmm, okay, a few months ago, I went to Turkey to VP a session the day after a terrorist attack. <laughs> They're like, what? <laughs> and then you get to kind of talk through stuff like this. It, 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 it's, it's amazing how much we face like real big issues in the world and like different things that happen around us or within sessions, interpersonal issues and stuff like this. And the amount of experience that that kind of gives us it's it's really difficult to find other platforms that provide you with that kind of life experience. Yeah, and it's a very important mix of having so much fun and engaging things that you are really into it. Like whatever gets thrown at you, you have the motivation to put slam your head into it until you've come through the other side. Whereas other organizations, if it's just about the putting you into difficult situations is not going to be the same experience as in that, what an EYP session gives you. Okay, now I feel a little bit like an old lady, you know, remembering <laughs> the good old days <laughs> when I was like more involved in EYP. Ah, good times. So uh, w- w- when did you two stop EYP? I, I said like, when did you two stop EYP? Because you probably feel like Joel literally just did a session a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh, what so, Teti were meant to. So I'm not sure if uh, if that counts as participating in EYP or not, because uh, we were supposed to be in Azerbaijan in September for T4ET. Uh. Yeah, but since Azerbaijan uh, closed the country from Ukrainians, which was really stupid because they closed it off based on nationality. So even Valeria Boyka who lives in Germany for several years, but just has Ukrainian passport, couldn't go because she's Ukrainian, which was silly. But yeah, so I participated 
So I can say that uh, <laughs> I did some EYP <laughs> in September, but before that, I think there were two events uh, in the autumn of 2019, maybe. Uh, I was a trainer at the training camp of EYP Ukraine in Bukovo. Oh, and then, nice. Yeah, yeah, and then after that, I went to Serbia where they held uh, the national national training, um, like leadership training. So they had, you know, these chairs training, media training, and organizers training, and I was kind of a head trainer there. That's cool. I, I'm really glad that they carried on those that, that tradition of those training camps because it's, it's such, such a cool, cool thing. And if anyone ever gets the opportunity definitely go there because it's you're you're in the ukrainian countryside it's beautiful it's in the summer it's really chill vibes it's not focused on seven eight hours of training per day it tends to be like half day training half day chilling or other types of activities it is really legit yeah my story with evip has been super well quite short but very I would say I uh, asked was my last session where I participated in any format or in any role. And after that, I, I thought that it's a very nice way to say goodbye to EYP <laughs> with ASK. And after that, I just participated as a trainer or sometimes a joint, um, you know, as a speaker. Um, now living in Germany, I had a chance to travel to the to the office in Berlin and also uh, participate in in some trainings there. So, EYP is still a part of my life. It's just more of in a, in a different format that it was before. Yeah. So you gathered like the cream. <laughs> Yeah, I had a very focused approach, you know. <laughs> I'm I'm a person that that uh, wants to understand what they're doing and uh yeah, I think um as I said, I think I had super untraditional EYP journey and really I didn't participate in that many sessions, but I I think I I got what I wanted from from that experience and I, of course I got some friends for life through that and yeah, some great, great stories as well and some great uh, experiences. That's awesome. A girl got what she wanted. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you guys feel about the podcast? How was your experience of being on? It was good. It was interesting. I didn't know what to expect. I listened a little bit uh, the, the by the link that you shared. Uh, I listened um, a, a just several. Um, I think I could not contribute with so many crazy EYP stories because first, I don't think I had too many of them. And second, I don't think I remember the ones that I had. Um, but uh, it was, I have this warm feeling at the end of it. So I think that's a good, that's a good marker that, that it went well. Yeah, for me as well, it was, on one hand, it was really fun to kind of go through all those really nice memories. Um, at first, I wasn't sure how it would go because of it's really hard to distract from what's going on now. 
it's really hard to distract. And sometimes it, it even feels weird distracting from that. Like, mm. should I be having fun conversation now or, uh, or shouldn't I? Uh, but it definitely feels nice and kind of makes me, you know, remember some of the good things that I kind of like to do, want to do and can do, which also helps me today, you know, being a bit uplifted really helps you know, go through the situation today. That's amazing to hear. Thank you guys for organizing this, really. Yeah, I, I want to say that it's been super professionally organized and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that with all of the reminders and uh, you made it uh, as easy for us as possible. I, I to tell the truth, I was also like, I mean, I'm in a much better place, but a week ago I was really a wreck um, of a person. Uh, so I think you really made it very easy for us to, to join and have this conversation. Well, thanks. And also, yeah, it feels like very supportive of you to kind of uh, bring us into this discussion uh, and help, you know, go over those memories because I feel like these days they're much needed. Yeah, exactly. And th that's what I was really thinking with that is me and Joel, yeah, we, we both converted to EYP Ukraine for a reason. And we know that reason and we have plenty of beautiful stories about that. But then today more than ever, it's kind of like, well, there are so many amazing stories over there in Ukraine and like that could be amazing like focal point to kind of go back into and to kind of refocus on that narrative as well it's not saying that we shouldn't talk about what's happening today definitely not but it's like on this platform to kind of like spread a different kind of message yeah thank you yeah, yeah it feels wonderful to like this is not when we started this it definitely didn't occur to me that doing the podcast could have this kind of an effect on people as well. And that makes me feel very warm and fuzzy <laughs> to hear that it was a positive thing for you in these ways that you described. One thing I just realized that we didn't really <laughs> consider that much is that this uh, recording and this episode marks our one-year anniversary for the Ooh, podcast. Congratulations. Ooh, congratulations. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Wow. This is Whoa. one year. Like When we first started this, Joe was just like, you've got this idea for this kind of podcast kind of thing. Would I be interested? Now, actually, no, you just kind of came up with this idea of the podcast. I was like, yeah, that sounds like a cool idea. Then a couple months later, like, oh, well, would you like to kind of like co-host it and we could do this thing? And we just started to do this ridiculous interview style thing where we would bring people like Maria Monalesco or Chris Tripp on and then ask them questions and then them kind of talk to us about all stuff. And then, yeah, after a bit, like if we continue like that, I think three, uh, maybe five episodes and we would have quit. But luckily we changed up our style. We started having way more fun with the podcast and just chilling and chatting like we've been doing today. And yeah, we haven't actually missed a release. It's been every single two weeks, thanks to Joel's sleepless Thursday nights editing. Um, and we've 
yeah, released every every second Friday in the year, and next Friday will be the twenty sixth episode. So one year exact. Wow. Yeah, and I think this was the perfect episode to do that with. I really appreciate all of this. And with that, I want to give my warmest thank you to you guys, the listeners that have stuck with us for <laughs> this long. I know right now is a very horrible time in the world and we are getting our heads filled with bad news day after day. And I hope that this podcast, like for our guests, it was a bit of a way to get your head out of that. I hope it's also bringing you something good in these times. The whole year has been quite hectic, but I hope that we're going to be able to continue providing you with content that you enjoy and continue our work in contributing to this organization that we all love.